covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley. It is time for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. Great to have you with us as we look back at another week's worth of Brewers baseball. Certainly some good things, especially early on in the week. Some not so good things later in the week, but that's pretty standard over the course of a 162-game season. Our housekeeping items that we always take care of here at the top of the show, if you want to get in contact with me, best way to do so is on Twitter, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. And if you do listen to the podcast on Apple Podcast, and want to leave a ranking and review. We would very much appreciate that. All right, so uh, our featured guest this week, Jim Goulart, he's going to join us coming up in just a few moments, was a big part of BrewerFan.net. BrewerFan.net is now Brewer Fanatic. They've had a big change. It's been a, uh, I think it's been a pretty major upgrade uh, to the site, especially from a content standpoint. Uh, the forum that they've had has always been fantastic, and it's a great place for Brewers fans to uh, get together and have, a, I think, rather civil discussion, and sometimes whether it's Twitter or what, no matter what it is, sometimes we have a hard time doing that online, and I think they do as good of a job as anybody making sure that the conversation does remain civil there at uh, Brewer Fanatic is what it's called now as it made the uh, change from BrewerFan.net. And they've got a, a lot more content as well now. We've had a few of their writers already on the podcast. They do a fantastic job. So, uh, yeah, great to have uh, Jim on. He's going to join us uh, in just a few moments as he's now a big part of Brewer Fanatic. On this podcast, I try to make it different than the post-game show that I do. We do the post-game show pretty much on an everyday basis, and on this podcast, it's more about taking kind of a step back and looking at more of the big picture. So I try to avoid just repeating myself because if you're if you don't live say in Wisconsin you, you're subscribed to this podcast feed and you get all the post game shows and then you get this podcast I don't want to just be a repeat of everything that you've already heard that being said I'm going to continue to say something that I've been saying a lot of on the post game show we don't know who this team is we just don't know who this Brewers team is we know some things about them we know that they are an incredible pitching team, uh, and, and there's some other things that you can look at and say, okay, we know this about the team, but the way the schedule has played out, I just I don't know how good they are. I don't know if they are as good as their record. I don't know if they're better than their record. I don't know if they're way not. You know, they they should. Well, when all is said and done, their winning percentage is going to be much less than what it is right now. Part of the problem is their schedule. And I'm not begrudging the schedule by any stretch of the mind. They don't control the schedule. You can only play the teams that are on the schedule. There have been times in recent years where the Brewers have been pretty good and they've struggled against not-so-good teams. So it is a good sign when you're going out and beating bad teams. That's what you're supposed to do. That's what good teams do. So good teams beating bad teams as consistently as, say, this Brewers team is doing, that's... That's a good indication of who they are. But at the same time, they haven't played a lot of really good teams this year. You look at their schedule, and they played a four-game series against St. Louis. I think St. Louis is a pretty good team. They end up splitting that series. They played a three-game series against Philadelphia. I think Philadelphia is a good team. 
They took two of three in that series. They played the one-gamer against the Giants. Those were really tough conditions. They lost that game at home by a 4-2 score. And then they played this three-game series against Atlanta over the weekend where they end up uh, losing two of three in that series. And I know Atlanta's record is not the best record in the world, but we know they're a good team. You look at their roster, you look at their pedigree, you know that they're coming off a World Series championship. This is a good Braves team. So they've struggled or not played as well against some of the better teams, but against the lesser teams, when they're playing against Pittsburgh, when they're playing against Cincinnati, uh, most recently when they played the Cubs, so we'll, we'll get rid of that season-opening series against the Cubs where it was horribly, horribly, horribly uh, cold to play in. But their most recent series against the Cubs, they've been winning these series. And part of the benefit of being in the NL Central is you do play a lot of games against the Cubs, you play a lot of games against the Reds, and you play a lot of games against the Pirates. And this year specifically, that's a good thing because those teams aren't very good. So the Brewers should be able to accumulate a fair amount of wins in those games. And they've got another series against Cincinnati starting on Monday. Cincinnati did just take two of three over the weekend against Pittsburgh. They jumped their win total from three total wins to five total wins. So break up the Cincinnati Reds. We'll see what the Brewers do against them. To be honest with you, I hope I'm wrong on this. And actually, I kind of felt this way when the Brewers played them at home, and I was completely wrong. Like going into that series, I'm thinking, when a team is losing that many games, you kind of get nervous when when you're about to play that team. So uh, on behalf of the Brewers, I was kind of nervous about that series, and then they they rolled through them and, and really had no problem defeating them. I kind of feel the same way about this three-game series that begins on Monday, um, just not really knowing what's going to happen, but also realizing that Cincinnati is not very good and is a series where the Brewers should be able to win some games. I think the bigger question, though, is who is this team from an offensive standpoint? When... When the season got started and they were struggling, they were struggling to score runs. Well, there's a lot of reasons for that. We talked about the bad weather in uh, Chicago. It was the start of the season. You were coming off a shortened spring training. You've got co-hitting coaches that are brand new with an assistant hitting coach that's brand new. So all these guys who are you know preaching kind of different stuff, even though it's the organizational philosophy, you got these new voices in there and they weren't around and you know, with spring training being shortened, that there wasn't as much time to be around those guys. So there's a lot of reasons to explain why the Brewers would slow down offensively. All at the same time, everybody, Everybody is slowing down offensively. Offense and, and run scoring is just really, really at a low point right now for Major League Baseball. And we'll talk about that a little bit in our conversation with Jim Goulart because the big thing is the ball is deadened and it's not flying as far and it's taking home runs off the board. There have been multiple hits this year, multiple you know making contact with the balls this year uh, by Brewers hitters that off the bat, it's like that's a home run and then it's not. And... I understand Major League Baseball wanting to do something to promote more action, but it's not working. Like, I, 
teams haven't said, oh, you know what, we're going to start stringing base hits together because we can't hit as many home runs. Well, pitchers kind of have something to do with that. And the strikeout numbers and, and all that continue to be at a really high level. So baseball's got some stuff to figure out, and that's just a continual conversation that we're having. But at the same time, the Brewers had this six-game homestand, and they hit 20 home runs over the six games. It was the most home runs over a six-game period that they had ever had in, in franchise history, all while the dead-end baseball is being used so that makes it that much more impressive that they set the six game record when they were using a lesser baseball so they do all that and they have a nice run playing against pittsburgh and playing against the cubs and playing against the reds and they're winning what was nine out of ten games and they're scoring a bunch of runs during that period Uh, they scored nine or more runs i think on five separate occasions so they were obviously scoring a bunch of runs and then they play that first game against atlanta on friday night and it looks a little bit different they got to play small ball they, and they find a way to win. And I, I always believe that good teams, and it really doesn't matter if it's baseball, basketball, football, it doesn't matter. I, you want to be able to do what you do best, but you also have to have the ability to win games in different ways when a different pathway to victory presents itself. And that was good to see on Friday night from the Brewers that they got that 6-3 win doing things a little bit differently, but then the offense just goes completely stagnant on Saturday and Sunday. Saturday, I'm willing to just make that a tip-your-cap game because you were going against a guy in Max Freed who was really good, really good. Max Freed is a fantastic pitcher, uh, and he's a left-hander, and the Brewers have struggled against lefties, although they've been a little bit better here recently before that. I think they'd won three in a row against lefties prior to that, even some games where they didn't have success against the left-hand starter. They still ended up winning those games. Uh, and then you had Charlie Morton, and Morton's a good pitcher, but he hadn't pitched well so far this season, and the Brewers were really stymied by him. Now, again, Craig Council was quick to say in his post-game conversation that when the Brewers got runners on, they had some really hard contact, and they just happened to hit into a little bit of bad luck. And there's some truth to that, but they still lose two of three. So the rest of the month, I've been saying all along that you really got to get into the month of June before you know who a team is, and really closer to July to know for sure. But as as the team goes through the rest of the month of May, the schedule is not impossibly tough, but they do play some better teams. They've got another series against Atlanta. They'll play a Miami team on the road. I think Miami's a little bit better than we thought they were going to be. They'll play San Diego on the road. They've got another series against uh, St. Louis coming up at the end of May. So there's uh, there, there are certainly some series where, I don't know if they're litmus test, but there's some version of that as we continue to kind of evaluate what this team is uh, doing moving forward. Uh, from an injury standpoint, Andrew McCutcheon went on the uh, COVID-19 list over the weekend. That's just got to be so tough. Uh, all, all indications are that the symptoms are somewhat mild for him. He's actually been live-tweeting games, which is kind of fun to see what he thinks about games as they're going on. Uh, but it's just a reminder that, that COVID is still a thing, and uh, when, when you self-report your symptoms, you're going to go through testing, and uh, you might test positive. And he's not the first guy this year to do it. It continues to happen. We're seeing an uptick on positive COVID cases across the country. So it hasn't, it hasn't completely gone away. His bat has been missed in the lineup. He's kind of part of that standard lineup as the almost the everyday designated hitter, and uh, he'll be back at some point, but he does have to test negative twice uh, over a 24-hour period to be able to, uh, to be able to return.
All right, uh, let's get to uh, this week's featured conversation. Mentioned at the top of the podcast, uh, Jim Goulart was going to join us, so let's go ahead and get to it. After every Brewers game, signing an announcement, bloggers and podcasters hit the web to give their take. Now we bring them all together. It's the Social Media Roundtable, and it starts now. Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Very happy to welcome uh, back onto the podcast a guy that we've talked about for years and years and years being part of BrewerFan.net. Well, that's not BrewerFan.net anymore. Now it's BrewerFanatic.com. We'll talk more about that coming up uh, later on in the uh, conversation. But very happy to uh, welcome Jim Goulart onto the podcast. Follow him on Twitter at Mass underscore Haas, M-A-S-S underscore H-A-A-S. Jim, the last time we talked on the podcast, things were bleak in terms of baseball actually being played. And here we are talking uh, a few months later, and, and we're a month into uh, the Major League Baseball season. The Brewers have put together a pretty solid record. So certainly a very different tone this time that we're chatting than the last time that we chatted. Yeah. Hi, Matt. Thanks for having me uh, on board. I hope it was a nice uh, Mother's Day in your household. It was for mine. And uh, my goodness, it is a different landscape. I was um, on the pessimistic train back then. I, I did not think we were, we saw a light at the end of the tunnel um, on this, and sure enough, um, cooler heads prevailed. It took a lot to get there. Um, quite a bit of drama along the way, but we're approximately 25 to 30 games into the season for all teams, and um, it feels like a re- it feels like a regular season, which is maybe why they call it that. <laughs> yeah, I've had conversations with this uh, about this with people at the radio station. To me, it feels like they didn't miss anything. Somebody asked me recently if I thought that that the lockout and what happened in the off season was going to have any impact because you know you still hear about those people who from won't go back to a baseball game after the '94 strike, and those people are few and far between now. But they existed for a while, and there were people during this lockout. I got the text messages when when I'm hosting shows on WTMJ. Oh, these millionaires and billionaires—they can't get it together. I'm just going to forget about baseball even once they get it done. And then they get it done. They figure out a way to get all 162 in. It just, it, in many ways, it almost feels like the lockout never even happened. Yeah, it's it's um, I, on a personal note, I'm in this long time. It's one of the longest running nationwide rotisserie traditional leagues that predates the internet and all that. And uh, we've graduated from being young men to, in some cases, grandfathers and such. And um, it, we met, now we did meet by Zoom and instead of, uh, you know, meeting in a central location. But yet again, we were able to have our, our draft. You know, we were able to have a regular season. And in terms of um, that participation and the friendships and the camaraderie, we did a modified one during the 60-game 2020 season that was no fun at all. So just even that part and people scheduling their lives around, you know, TV games or radio and tailgating for you folks out in, uh, in Milwaukee. Um, thank goodness. And it's, it's been fun. Um, I am looking at the standings right now and I'm saying already, I'm, I'm thinking that there's a lot of haves and have nots already. Mm-hmm. So I'm already, my brain is already thinking July trade deadline and all these uh, things that go into the, this particular season, Matt, because I'll be right up front with you. Um, I'm in I'm in World Series or bust mode with this team this year. I, I can't take another um, 
coming up short in the postseason. I, I know it's not going to be a one-game playoff, so at least we don't have that. And it won't be, um, you know, I, I'm just all about getting the bye in the first round and, and getting past the Dodgers somehow, getting past the Chris Taylor catch. Um, it's just so important this year, and I, we can expand on why, but that's where I am in, in 2022. Yeah, I don't know if I'm World Series or bust, but I've been the guy. I've been the one carrying the torch in the Milwaukee baseball media for years and years that I've been here that winning the division and getting to the postseason are accomplishments no matter what happens in the postseason. And I still stand by that. I still, Even if that happens this year, there is a certain level of accomplishment to getting into the postseason, to being able to put up uh, a pennant for, for a division championship. Those things matter. But Jim, this is my first year. This is my so this is my seventh year now doing the post game show for WTMJ. This is the first time in my seven years that I'm sitting here saying it's not a it's you know the goal isn't to win the division. The goal is to have a deep playoff run. Now again, I don't know if that means they have to get to the World Series. I don't know if that means uh, to me it's probably you have to get to the at the NLCS at the very least, like they did a, a few years ago, and obviously pushed it to a game seven. So our our final conclusion might be a little bit different because your World Series are bust. I'm deep playoff run or bust, but I think we're kind of on the same path that you got to do something in the playoffs this year. This is. It's, it's lining up, and let me give you a couple of reasons why. Um, maybe not the most important reason, but let's talk about the schedule for a bit and the fact that the Pirates, Cubs, and Reds are who they are, and the schedule becomes more balanced next year. So you've already got this weighted advantage over the NL East and the NL West, which is currently everybody's over 500 in the West. Um, so you've already got a weighted advantage there that at minimum should allow you to sneak past either whether it's the Mets, the Dodgers, or this Braves team that we seem to be um, you know, a little gun-shy against, um, into getting that by. Okay, so we start with that. Then you look at this pitching staff, which is ridiculous. It, um, it really is. Um, and you take a look at front end, back end. Okay, so that, you've got that now. And then finally for me, You've got the situation where um, it's just the, the, going into next year, the number of questions, will David Stern still be here? The, the additional arbitration costs are only going to rise. I know these, this rotation is under team control, but except for the modest gains on Peralta's contract, everybody's going to continue to get significant bumps. And at some point, it just, this, to me, um, you have. I can't have that empty feel. I mean, obviously, I will survive if there's another empty feeling of a game seven um, this year. But it's just let me be there because I wasn't. There wasn't the internet and such that allowed me to be a fan in 1982. But there was certainly national TV, and I was watching the Milwaukee Brewers in a World Series. I was 19 years old, and um, I would like just get back to that at some point um here we are 40 years later right yeah and i to me the what i said at the end of last season still rings true right now this pitching staff is good enough to get to the world series i still think there's questions in terms of hitting and run scoring and we've seen 
We've seen some really good moments from this team, the 20 home runs in the six games, the overall uptick in runs scored, uh, but we've also seen this team not be able to score runs. And I just, the kind of the... The you know the thesis of my post game shows for the last week plus have been we still don't know who this team was and that was when they were scoring a bunch of runs and that was the last two games of the Atlanta series when they went back to not scoring runs I just I don't know who they are from an offensive standpoint and I guess that still concerns me a little bit. I don't blame you one bit. I do think this might be the year where you see additional significant deals made at the, at the deadline to, to boost wherever it is that it's going to be in need. We can talk about center field in a bit um, because suddenly Lorenzo Cain looks 45 and not 35, but at the same time, we're barely one-fifth if that, you know, into the season. So we need to temper some things here, and the team is 19 and 10. Um, it's the offense can be well first of all are you a box score um browser each morning matt because i am yeah and if you look at the batting average column and i know we're not supposed to necessarily focus on batting average these days but it is a just a mess out there (laughs) It, it, it just top players are struggling middling players are struggling and the struggling players are are completely off the chart with batting averages and, you know, the low 100s. Um, So a team that's capable of hitting home runs, but it's just, I remember it wasn't that long ago with the the fielder era, and you, you remember long stretches where the team didn't get shut out at all. Like they just always managed to put something on the board, and now you... You get the sense that if the team doesn't score in the first three innings, you start to roll your eyes and go, okay, is this going to be one of those nights? And it's a little frustrating with the boom or bust offense for sure. Um, And that's when you worry about in the playoffs, of course, when you face a Julio Arias and um, you're going to see Max Reed again. And, and okay, what are they going to do to combat that when Willie Adamas, as great as he is to this point, um, still is doing it with big extra base hits, but it still has a low batting average. So how do you get the consistency to put together better innings on a regular basis? There are three times as many teams in Major League Baseball hitting 230 or below as a team compared to hitting 250 or above. It's remarkable. And- and it's not only remarkable, but we're not that far removed from – it's just amazing how much we're learning that the steroid era skewed things one way, and now it's getting skewed the other. We're, we're learning how – I think the, most, the thing that was most glaring for me was how many careers were extended to age 35, 36, 37, 38, and you just don't see that um, – anymore that the 35 year olds see now look like 35 year olds aka andrew mccutcheon right i mean nice contributing but not doing what a brett boone or somebody like that was doing back in that era so you need the young kids to contribute but this team is not quite there yet with their system um they're coming but they're not quite there yet 
that they can just plug in from AAA. Nashville is doing an amazing job down there. I commented just today um, that uh, David Stearns is equally adept at putting together uh, AAA talent for the purposes of what a AAA team is supposed to do as he is a big league club. But there isn't that, okay, this is the young man who's going to come up, we're going to plug in, and he's going to be, um, you know, uh, the piece that puts us over the top. It's going to have to come through trade, and we need to wait a couple months more to see exactly where that need is going to be a priority. Part of the offensive issues, not all of it, but part of it is the dead in baseball. There was a uh, there was a hit by Hunter Renfro today, not a hit, but a, a contact by Hunter Renfro today. It came off the bat at 104 miles per hour at a launch angle at 26 degrees last year. There were only four outs all season long on that quality of contact. And so far this season, in a month or so, there have already been three. So just one short of what there was all of last season. Uh, Dom Catronio, who does stats for the Bally Sports Wisconsin broadcast, tweeted that out just to give credit where credit is due. But mm-hmm. that that that's I used the word remarkable a moment ago. That also is remarkable and I understand that they don't want the ball just flying out uh, and that they're trying to uh, you know, find a way to create more action in baseball, but it's not good when that Hunter Renfro ball today does not get out of the ballpark. Yeah. Um, no, it's not. And they talk about, well, the humidor will have different effects depending on what, type, what time of year it is and when the humidity actually does arrive in these ballparks. And, I mean... We'll see, but it's um, it gets to the point now where you just hold your breath and go, okay, I'm getting pretty good at, t- at telling when something's legitimately out and when something's going to be at the warning track. And um, the players, I think, are finally starting to come around too. that, like, you know, I got it, but I didn't really get it, which is certainly frustrating. And, and But Renfro's been – Renfro's done – pretty much what we had hoped he was going to do. I mean, the occasional big bomb and he's going the other way more and he doesn't look lost at the plate. Certainly at all. Um, he's giving us a hint of the adventures in right field in terms of what can be really good and really bad. Um, I, I was reminded this week when I was, cause I'm in the Boston area, as you know, and, um, JBJ is not performing well. The Red Sox are in a miserable place right now. They're the one big budget team that is truly struggling and it wasn't just the JBJ performance but it's his just the amount of money like nine million for the option year to buy him out to get him off the team next year it was nine million dollars so for David Stearns to get under that and uh, I know that the young young players for the, the Sox received are doing fine but they're still in high A or double A so um that the Renfro trade was was great, and I actually wanted to touch on the Stearns trade situation because it's still it's still stellar, still stellar. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's not a hundred percent, and you know, last year the the area that he's been most successful is going and finding those relief pitchers that end up being high leverage guys. Last year that didn't work out. But outside of that, basically the moves that haven't worked for him have been few and far between. And you mentioned JBJ. Okay, so that acquisition didn't work. He gets out from under it. I just he he continues to succeed at such a high level. Mike, and you know it's something when 
you don't scare off other teams because the Tampa Bay Rays have to be thrilled with um, Fire Eisen. I'm not sure he's even given up a run yet this year. And um, Rasmussen, yeah. Yeah, I think his ERA is zero. And then Rasmussen um, got another win over the weekend and is, is doing fine. He's kind of still a five-inning pitcher, but he's still – they're thrilled with that trade because they have the young kid at shortstop. And, but the trade worked for both teams. Um, I don't know if you've looked lately, but look at Trent Grisham's numbers this year. He's not stealing bases. He's hitting like 150. And uh, San Diego's got no choice to stick with him every day. And, and it's, again, only 25 games into the season, I realize. But um, my goodness, can we just talk about Eric Lauer for a second? And that's what gives me the World Series type hope is now all of a sudden um, you go into a series with Burns, Woodruff, and Lauer in whatever combination you, wit- you wish. And. Um, you know they have to stay healthy and Lauer, but this this looks completely sustainable for Eric Lauer, which is incredible, incredible. Yeah, so I'm somebody who I I, I don't pat myself on the back too often, but I it was frustrating for me last year because I saw him pitching at a really really high level and. People were not giving him I, – I didn't think people were giving him credit for just how well he was pitching. I've, I've run the numbers a few times since uh, since June 27th of last year. He and Corbin Burns basically have identical ERAs. They've gone back and forth in terms of who's mm-hmm. got the best ERA since late June of last year. I agree with you. Like of, of all the guys that I'm confident about who have a little bit of a track record who have been doing this for a while, I think we can I think we should be talking about Eric Lauer in the exact same vein as we talk about a a Brandon Woodruff, a Freddie Peralta and and sometimes an Adrian Hauser and maybe even just put him right next to to Corbin Burns. That's how good he has been. It's just it, he he seems so level-headed. He knows who he is at this point. There's been some wonderful, um, I think, I think the beat guys have really brought their a game, um, so far this year. Um, nothing against Tom, who we all, you know, wish well in retirement and, and enjoyed for so many years, but we've, we've seen, um, they're getting the right quotes from, um, from guys like Lauer asking the right questions. And let's, these, these Brewer players currently, um, they're media savvy and, um, they're not, they're not giving us just blasé, lame, standard answers. We're learning about, and, and I'll, I'll throw Sophia in that mix too for asking the right questions, because you have to write, ask the right questions to get the answers that fans want to hear. And um, I think to this point, the guys have done a really nice job of, um, of asking those questions, and the pitchers have been really forthright in, in terms of discussing where they are development-wise, because at this point, they're all veterans, and they know who they are, and they're, they're really comfortable with Chris Hook and, and this, this situation that they're in. Um, and and we, it's just, it's really, as a, just as a baseball fan, it's just this team is um, really fun to, to follow on a day-to-day basis, and I'm so invested uh, this year on exactly that, the day-to-day basis. Um, 
thanks for the technology. You know, I'm, I DVR the majority of games, so I'm always watching them on a bit of a delay. Uh, it can get tricky at times, but um, it, I, I'm just I'm consuming as much as I can because um, I want 2022 to, to be from beginning to end this, this really great ride. And so far, um, I know it's against a lot of the fluff of the National League, but so far, so good. Yeah, that's what again we kind of talked about earlier. I just I, because they have you can only play the teams that are on the schedule. We just have to wait and see how long it's going to take for them to, um, yeah, for them to you know, if they're going to do what they've been doing against uh, lesser teams. I want to finish you off with this, and you alluded to it earlier when you're talking about Lorenzo Cain. There's three areas, uh, position, three positions they're not getting a whole lot of production from: catcher, second base, and center field. At catcher, you have Omar Nervaez. I think most people are pretty confident about his uh, offensive ability. Colton Wong has always been a slow starter, and he always turns it on as the season goes along. But then you have Lorenzo Kane and Jim, it, does, it, it feels just a little bit different. And you got another guy on the team in Tyrone Taylor who probably right now is giving you a little bit more at the offense. If the club really believes that, uh, that Kane still has it in him, well, then you stick with him. But if, if they don't, they're going to have some decisions to make as the season moves along. Yeah, I agree because um, the, the, all the heralded future center fielders in the system are at double A or below. Um, there isn't really anybody in triple A who's on the cusp, even as a, let's say one of those minor league veteran guys who gets really hot and is 28, 29 years old. And let's, let's see if there's a little magic there. Um, I want Locaine to do the lean back and do all that good stuff that he's doing, but it's either, you know, the bulk of his hits have been infield hits so far, and yes, he's still got the legs right now to get down the line. He beat out that ball this weekend that was big. I believe that was Friday night. But, um, yeah, you just get the sense that uh, if anywhere, if any place on the roster could use that, uh, that midseason pickup and – if we talk about spring training and such, I mean, everybody was looking for center fielders. Um, they're just not a dime a dozen um, anymore. And it's, it'll be curious to see how that we're all rooting for him, but to see it's, it's hard to picture an extended run of success um, where he's just finding the right field gap for double after double. And, and he's still going to make the occasional great play in center field. But let's hope it's um, it works itself out because it's uh, it's important. And you're right; that's probably the one area, kind of like we were talking about third base last year before Arias broke out. Um, center field could be the place where it would be like nice to see maybe another left-handed bat or somebody just take take hold and, and jump in. We alluded to at the start of the podcast interview that. Uh... Brewerfan.net is now Brewer Fanatic. Some folks who were uh, involved with a site that covered the Twins came in, and I'm not trying to be dismissive of what uh, Brewerfan.net turned into, but essentially it turned into a forum and not a whole lot more going on there. And now you guys have the forums. Everything got transferred over, uh, and you've got a lot of great writers, many of which uh, come onto this podcast on a a regular basis. There's just a whole lot of stuff going on right now uh, at Brewer Fanatic. I am. I was skeptical coming in as one of the folks that had been so entrenched in the whole Brewer fan environment. But these folks came in, and it was like they 
it was like it was the perfect corporate takeover, so to speak, because they had the charts and the figures that they were able to show us that you're not going to be here in two or three years because look at where your numbers are and you're becoming more and more inclusive all the time, or maybe exclusive all the time. Um, and this, they've been wonderful. They've been professional. They've been courteous. They've been respectful um, in terms of how they took everything that we had and it wasn't just dismissed. It was somehow, thank you, technology and, and inspiration carried over, um, very easy for all our participants to maintain their user IDs and logins and all that. And yet we have this wonderful um, environment now where writers who maybe had contributed elsewhere or had been shy about contributing in the past are now putting together um, wonderful content for us on a daily basis. And it's given me an opportunity to find cohorts on the minor league side because um, I wasn't going to survive another year of doing uh, six nights a week of, of minor league coverage. So I'm focused on two, maybe three nights a week where I can put my efforts into it and make it even more well-rounded. So um, I'm glad you're enjoying it. I hope other people are as well. Please come visit if you haven't. It's, it's, it's been uh, wonderful. It's yeah. been wonderful. No, I agree. And it's uh, it's been a good addition to the Brewers' web sphere, for lack of a, a better term. So, uh, Jim, yep. always appreciate you taking some time, and um, we'll do this again very, very soon. Yeah, I look forward to it with a, maybe a little bigger chunk of the season having taken place and, and to give us even a better read of where we are. And, um, Matt, somehow we're going to find a way. You're coming to Boston July, baby, and I love how the socks are tanking because it's going to make those walk-up tickets I get in July even uh, <laughs> even less ex- less expensive, so to speak. Fair enough. That would, yeah, that's, I think there's going to be a lot of Brewers fans who make that trip. I've heard from a lot of Brewers fans looking forward to uh, being able to go to Fenway. Yeah, if the socks keep tanking the way they are, they might actually out, outnumber them uh, that uh, that weekend that'll be fun yeah we'll see thanks jim take care jim goulart joining us here on brewers extra innings the podcast powered by wtmj mobile uh just a reminder for you for those of you who do uh listen to uh the games this is specifically for uh folks who uh listen to uh brewers baseball on the radio the bucks are in the middle of a playoff run right now if you ever tune in to wtmj and you get a bucks game all you gotta do is switch on over to 94.5 espn and you will find the brewers game and we do continue to do brewers extra innings following those games on 94.5 espn uh i i had a brain letdown when i was wrapping up brewers extra innings on sunday because generally at the end of the game if the next day's show is going to be on uh, 94.5 i'm smart enough to remind people of that i did not i said wtmj in the moment the show gets over my producer evan says to me matt are, are you down the hall tomorrow oh yes i am i should have said that so uh yeah we're on espn on monday and uh, anytime there is a conflict with the uh, bucks we're over on 94.5 espn and hopefully for the bucks sake this goes on for quite some time because that means they are making a deep playoff run but the brewers open up a three-game series uh in cincinnati on monday city two of a three city leg trip uh they'll play uh, road trip excuse me city three of a three cities Leg three of a three-city road trip. There we go. Just got to put those words in the correct order, Matt. Uh, they'll play uh, in Cincinnati, and then they'll play uh, a three-game series in Miami before eventually getting back home on May 16th, and that's when they are going to open up a homestand against Atlanta and also against Washington. 
My appreciation to uh, Jim Goulart for uh, joining us on the show. My appreciation to you for being tuned in. And we'll talk to you next week for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to a home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.